Today on the topic show, Bud Light is dropped from Costco. 50 Cent says Los Angeles is done for. Disney CEO gets a contract extension. Chris Christie inches towards the debate stage. White House investigation leads to no arrest for the cocaine that was found there. Taylor Swift breaks Ticketmaster yet again. Shopify puts a price tag on their meetings. Bye Bye Baby sale is approved. Elon Musk launches his own AI. And Bank of America is slapped with a fine for making up accounts. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special purchase in IT security. Heck, I see the final release twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and needs a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Taylor Swift breaking Ticketmaster yet again with unprecedented demand. Now, specifically, this is Ticketmaster France, which perhaps is just like Ticketmaster, but it gives up easily. Small pun for, you know, literally every war besides the one where they fought themselves. Fun history note, they usually surrender pretty darn, they fold pretty easily. Now, it looks like this happened when more than a million consecutive users swarmed the site to try to buy her tickets. And of course, the site just had overwhelming demand and it crashed just immediately. And there's many issues of why this is, is perhaps maybe a business blunder if it keeps happening, which it does. We'll see if we may have to recategorize this, but it's, it's pretty pathetic for this to happen in 2023 when you have historicals of Taylor Swift. People love listening to her cry about all the bad boyfriends that she's had throughout her whole life, which kind of gets a little creepy now that you think about her age versus the guy. But I, I digress. People love listening to her complain. She's one of the most successful artists of my lifetime. And she's broken the site before, or rather her fans have. They're fanatics. So Ticketmaster knows that they're going to have an unprecedented amount of demand for her, these tickets, but they don't plan appropriately. And nowadays, most businesses are in the cloud. I mean, back in the day, you'd have your own infrastructure, you'd have your own servers, and a little data center. If you're something like Ticketmaster, you're probably on something like Amazon Web Services, known as AWS, or maybe you're on Microsoft Azure, or maybe you're on Google Cloud. There are many offerings which allow you to basically exponentially increase your capacity so you can take in more bandwidth and you're taking more users and taking more demands for ticket purchases. And I don't know why they didn't plan to scale it or set it up so they could scale better. And there are some people speculating maybe there's some bots going after that because a phenomenon with Ticketmaster and all these websites are bots will actually swarm the site first because you can program program them and then they'll buy all the tickets and they'll resell them, making the tickets more and more expensive, which is not also is also not good for the artist because the artist doesn't see that secondary sale and it makes the whole customer experience and the fan experience pretty piss poor. And yet they allowed it to break again. So I don't know if they just need to buy more servers themselves or just need to buy more cloud capacity or mitigate the bot attacks if they are truly bots versus the number of people. But it's astonishing that the same company Tickmaster has these issues again and again and again. That being said, they're also a pseudo monopoly for the sale of concert tickets. So if it breaks, so what? I guess perhaps that's the business use case because there's not really much competition. You actually have venues, like actual 
country music halls, your theaters, stadiums, they have exclusive contracts with Ticketmaster. So even if it does break or not work, there's not much anyone can do. So perhaps they just feel they're so secure in their current business model and their current capture of the market share that they're not worried about a competitor coming up and eating their lunch, as an old adage sales metaphor goes. And it'll be interesting to see if they actually learn from their mistakes or if they just kind of keep up the status quo. I was going to say, thankfully, my tech company doesn't do their tech, so it's not on us and it's not our business model of the day. Now, other interesting businesses, you have Shopify putting a price tag on their internal meetings. Now, this is actually an internal tool that uses the compensation data combined with the meeting length and the attendee count to calculate the price of the meetings, which based on the company average, they say average anywhere between about $1,600 for a 30 minute call. And the chief operating officer, officer Kaz Najatin, he said the calculator is meant to remind workers of the value of their time and to boost productivity, which I think is brilliant. If there is a, we certainly have a business blunder of the day, perhaps let me know in the comments, maybe we'll do a business brilliance of the day. Granted, it tends to be a little bit more rare, but in terms of corporate America and meetings, there are way too many meetings. Before I started my tech company, I worked at one of the largest computer companies and server companies on the planet, and there are meetings just for the sake of having meetings, just for the sake of having meetings. And then, and also there are people who have jobs just for the sake of having jobs. There is a lot of fat you could trim, both from the talent of a lot of big companies. Oh, I guess saying their talent would be a positive thing. Personnel, typically if you have good talent, you'd cut them. But nevertheless, there are countless hours. I believe Microsoft had a similar practice last year or a couple years back where a couple of these tech companies started to actually put that data in the calculator in the meetings. So it anonymizes the data of the people. So you can't see, you know, Sally makes 86K a year, Bobby makes 97K a year, they have XYZ job titles. It doesn't tell you that specifics when you set these meetings up, but the calculator tells you here's the total cost associated. This is how much money you're costing the business right now with this one meeting. Which again, if I ever sell t-shirts, there, and it's been done, I'm pretty sure already, but there should be a t-shirt and a coffee mug for every corporate America that says, this should be an email, or this could have been an email. because. I can't imagine how much time, and Shopify may very well quantify that time, that a business could save throughout the years by not having frivolous BS meetings. It was the most, it was one of the most frustrating things working in corporate America was the meetings and the politics, and I just couldn't stand them for the life of me. So thankfully, the only means I said these days with the tech company, the means actually matter and actually move projects forward or enable our current clients and build the company. Needless to say, there's no cadences for the sake of having cadences or anything like that. Constructive, per, cre, constructive meetings and meetings to actually accomplish goals, those are invaluable. But means for the sake of having meetings, brilliant move by Shopify. As companies are looking to trim fat from the budget and trying to actually get a better ROI, I suspect more and more businesses are going to adopt a similar methodology or just embrace more of a work culture where they don't stress meetings for the sake of having meetings really do hope this expands throughout many, many companies because, gosh, I know so many people are just bored to hell having those meetings for the sake of having meetings. And we'll see, hopefully those businesses do learn. Other interesting businesses, you have a Bye Bye Baby intellectual property. Their sale is approved. Now, a recently a judge approved the sale of Bye Bye Baby's intellectual property for a value of $15.5 million to a New Jersey company by the name of Dream On Me Industries. Now, that company, appropriately enough, they're actually a designer and supplier for baby products. 
So this makes perfect sense. And the sale actually came from their parent company, Bed Bath & Beyond, which recently declared bankruptcy with their intellectual property going to Overstock.com, who really, really quickly revamped their website. So that website's gone. So Overstock.com is now Bed Bath & Beyond.com. Now Bed Bath Beyond, all the acronyms are fun. Try saying that 12 times in a row. Bye Bye Baby was started by one of the founder's sons of Bed Bath Beyond. And subsequently, later in the years, Bed Bath Beyond purchased Bye Bye Baby, so it was a subsidiary of the company. And it's interesting to see now that the sale has gone through, it's no surprise the judge let it go through. A, a higher bidder didn't come to the table. You didn't have a bluebird at the final minute. Someone like Amazon might throw in $50 million or however much money they could basically just throw at anything just to buy it. And there's no really, there's definitely no concern of antitrust or any anti-competitiveness with a company like Dream Mommy Industries, partially because you've never heard of them, right? At least I haven't. So it's not like it's a bigger company getting too big in the laws of some lawmakers. So not too surprising that the sale went through. It is a little disappointing that there wasn't a bid for the infrastructure, so the physical stores and the employees and the staff in terms of some were hoping a bidder or another company might swoop in in order to keep the brick and mortar of Bye Bye Baby open. And unfortunately, that did not happen. So this is the sale only for the intellectual property. And I really do hope those employees are able to find a new job at another retailer. And overall, thankfully, if you look at this, on average, not too many jobs are lost because the United States is pretty darn good at creating new jobs. And hopefully it stays that way and gets better in that regard. Now, other interesting business news, you have Elon Musk launching a new AI company. Somewhat ironic because he's the one who's been telling us for darn near a decade that AI will eventually kill us, which not too crazy to think considering we actually have drones that can already execute commands without human interference. And when I say drones, I mean like military drones, not the ones you go out and buy at Walmart for $39.99 or however much Americans pay for those little toys. You actually do have AI with military gear already. It'll be interesting to see. Does Terminator become real? I joke, mainly. Now, specifically, Elon Musk started a company, actually a couple years back, called OpenAI, which you may have heard in the news because they're most, one of the most popular things ever. He launched that company a couple years back over in 2015, but he did step down from the company's board back in 2018. So his new one is gonna be called XAI, X is in xylophone AI, which makes sense because his long-term vision is to have one app to rule them all. Which begs the question if maybe he's a Lord of the Rings nerd too. He might know something about J.R.R. Tolkien. One app to rule them all. If that parody has not already been made, that's a free idea out there. Something to think about. Now, when I asked for a comment with why are you making new AI all of a sudden, Elon Musk said, quote, If I've tried to understand the true nature of the universe, that's actually the best thing that I could come up with from an AI safety standpoint. I think it's going to be pro-humanity from the standpoint that humanity is just much more interesting than non-humanity, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see what's his long-term vision for the app, what's the AI going to do, and what's it going to create or destroy. Time shall tell. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney extending the contract for the CEO to 2026, which is pretty astronomical given all the uncertainty and as well as all the business flops and business blunders that is, well, it is Disney right now. Now, Bob Iger is the current Disney. He actually took over from Bob Chapek. Bob Iger was previously the Disney CEO from 2005 to 2020. So he did have a long successful tenure with the company. And then he had the other one come back. And 
Interestingly enough, a lot of people were hopeful when he first rejoined the company. Back in November, he claimed that he wanted to get Disney out of politics because prior to Bob Iger coming back, you had Chapek going head to head with the governor of Florida, which is not cohesive to usually, I was about to say usually, it's not cohesive to play politics if you're in business and you're going against, they're going against the governor of Florida that's one of their main parks. They have two, one in California, one in Florida. And Florida subsequently started to take away some of their lucrative tax breaks, some of their, they had a lot of leverage in Florida. They basically created their own district. So it was almost like a mini country. It was a very bizarre, interesting thing where it led to them not having very much oversight from a government perspective. And the state of Florida had given them, had previously given them that privilege because they'd worked so well with the state. Which begs the question, why, why did they get involved in politics? Now, the real controversy with Disney came not only after the sexual themes that they put into children materials, which is concerning in and of itself, but they also decided to get involved with a specific bill in the state of Florida, which was pejoratively called the Don't Say Gay Bill, which I know many Americans reading as a lost art, and many people perhaps can't, if you read the bill, it does not say that word once. It literally just says you're not allowed to discuss sexual themes with children, I believe up to grade three or five or six. It's one of those things where it just said teachers can't bring up and talk about sexual things with children. Why a business would be against that? Beyond me, but Disney decided that was what they were gonna stand for. So they decided to go head to head with the state of Florida and they sp sponsored a opposition against the bill. And of course, Disney shareholders were wondering, what the hell are you doing? You're, so, you're supposed to make content for kids, ideally profitable content and profitable intellectual property that you can maximize through decades because people fall in love with those little characters. Traditionally, for many decades, they basically printed money because they had all these intellectual property with all these characters, all these cartoons, and people loved them. They were a staple of Americana. And then they got infected with act activists. If you look at who works there, all the secret meetings that was revealed. So people were hoping when Bob Iger came back, as he said, they were going to get out of politics. And then they did. They didn't. So they've actually leaned into it where the last three movies were very political in terms of sexual. They had sexual themes and children cartoons. They I mean, would say butcher Indiana Jones, which fiscally speaking, they're going to lose a lot of money on. I mean, they also injected that feminist character into the film, which had nothing to do with any of the other Indiana Jones movies ever. She actually punches him. She, yeah. And obviously, no one wants to see their favorite beloved character become a doddering old fool who's constantly patronized throughout the whole movie and made fun of throughout the whole movie. Who did they make that for? Clearly not people who actually liked Indiana Jones. And you saw that thing with many of their other films. They are losing money. They're bleeding money when they used to print money. They're basically the Federal Reserve of Entertainment. So it was interesting to see this actual contract extension. And I don't know, there might there might be a lot of internal politics because there are people inside Disney who actually have activists. And if you didn't see the clips, you almost wouldn't believe it. They had... They actually had a, they said it was a gay agenda. They, they said it as an internal meeting and they said they were intentionally putting sexual themes into children's cartoons. 
For years, people thought it was a conspiracy theory until these internal meetings leaked. And again, if you're left, right, and center, I, from my perspective, I don't understand why you want to put sexual themes into children content. If I were a parent, if I had that privilege, I would want them to just be a kid. And just, I mean, they used to have good morals and values. I know those words are almost lost to most people these days. It's almost like they need a dictionary, which they can't read. So, I don't know. It's one of those things where very few people know what those words mean anyway. But one of the most loved little movie cartoons I remember was the, what was it, The Jungle Book? And they actually had a whole song called The Bare Necessities. Now, I do have to preface because it's 2023. Back in the day, it was a physical bear, I believe it was Bugaloo, and he talked about the bare necessities. In 2023, if you had to have a movie with Disney where they, talk, where they have a bear talking, you'd have to actually wonder what they mean, and I will, I'll leave it at that. But back in the day, they actually taught kids, hey, you don't need a fancy computers, you don't need a new car, or I don't know why you need a car for your kid. Perhaps if you're like Barbie, you have a Corvette and you're a kid. But... I digress. It's about strong morals, strong values, telling great st stories for everyone. So a lot of people were really hopeful when Bob Iger came back. And it'll be interesting to see why did they extend his contract? The company's bleeding Monday, hand over fist with all these movies. And he does have a lot. He's trying to rein in some of the spending. His goal is actually to cut about a billion dollars in production. That's across everything from... Cable news with a couple of the channels they spot, that they own, all the way from production of movies, cartoons. They're trying to rein in some of that spending to try to make it more profitable. And maybe his, he, for all we know, he might be fighting a really tough political battle in the background that we can't see yet. Because you do have these conflicting ideologies in Disney. You have people in Disney, in terms of your regular employees, who they just want to make a film, they just want to make entertainment. Others just want to inject political messages into them. Personally, for kids... Films, I would think the only messages I would want would be traditional morals and values and a little bit of patriotism, which I guess nowadays is almost like acid to some people where they are fervently against the United States. But I digress. In terms of what I would be looking for, that'd be probably a good idea to me. It'll be interesting to see if Bob's able to steer that ship around. And I'm almost surprised he hasn't presented more of an action plan or It'll be interesting to see what the next shareholder meeting is like. And like I always say, time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light getting the Death Star at Costco. Gone. Now, the Death Star is a pejorative term, for those who don't know, in which the engineer Scotty at Star Trek would actually beam a button, and he says, beam me up, and the beam would shoot from the USS Enterprise, and that would be called the Death, the Death Star. I'm kidding, it's Starship, it's Starship Troopers, I'm kidding, I know. Calm down, I know it's Star Wars, it's, which in and of itself is a great culture that now Disney owns. But it's an instance where there's a little asterisk on a little sign at Costco. If you see that little asterisk on the little play, plaque or for the item that says, you know, the item name and the price, it's an indication that the product will not be restocked. And it looks like in this particular instance, it was for the Bud Light Platinum, which... I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for putting lipstick on a pig or something else that would be pertinent to beverages. No, no, that, 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 that's, that, that's probably pretty accurate. I remember back in the day, Bud Light Platinum, I think it was released back when I was in college. The only thing I knew about it was it was a blue bottle. And it all tastes about the same. It's, they, they, I think they say it's more filtered. Their marketing department isn't the best, clearly, because I can't remember the special product. And of course, since April 1st, not... 
incident with Dylan Mulvaney, which ironically they debuted, debuted April 1st, but it was not a joke. Although fiscally speaking, it was a joke because they've lost $28 billion in stock valuation and millions in sales. Now, it looks like they're specifically dropping the Bud Light Platinum product from Costco. It'll be interesting to see if they drop all Bud Light. So Bud Light Platinum is the one in the glass bottle that's platinum, it's fancier. It's probably the same. It's probably the same damn thing in a bottle, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's got an extra crappy little filter tapped on there or something. But for them to keep losing this type of these sales, the type of sales you have at Costco are paramount to boost companies like Anheuser-Busch and Bev. It reminds me reminiscent of the technology industry in which I, I can't say the bank, but I could say there was a financial, I can't say a specific bank, I could say there's a laptop company who used to sell, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in computers to a bank. They wouldn't make a profit on it. However, it would help them with their cost of goods sold. That's because if you're making a hundred laptops and you're working with the actual suppliers, let's say you're working with Intel who makes the processors. If you're going to order a hundred laptops, they'll give you a little discount. If you order a thousand laptops, they'll give you a little more. If you order a million laptops, they'll give you a lot better discount. Thereby, if you get that big bulk, because of course you get that price per unit down, it's not just for that sale, you're going to use that price, you're going to expand the quantity for other laptops. So this tech company wouldn't make a profit selling to the bank, but because they sold the volume of units for the components, it increased the overall profitability of the other sales, because it, it decreased the cost of goods sold. That's the paramount important thing about volume, sales, and business, and that's what Costco is known for. If you're an entrepreneur and you're going on a Shark Tank, one of the best things you could ever hope for is getting to Walmart or getting to Sam's Club or Costco because they will each change your life overnight with that volume of sales. It is life-changing. It's what every entrepreneur dreams of. And with Bud Light and Asher Bush and Bev, the type of discounts they're getting on the cost of goods sold are going to decrease because their quantities are decreasing. So they're going to have less discounts because their cost, the costs are going to go up. Because instead of selling X amount of beer every year, they're selling maybe 75% of that or 30. Now they're only selling 70% of what they used to be selling. So that means they're ordering less bottles, which unfortunately about 650 workers lost their jobs because they had two factories which made the bottles for Bud Light. And known very few people are drinking that these days. So you have, think about the ingredient, the components needed for Bud Light. You have the bottles. You have the labels, if there's a paper or a label maker that goes down to that, you gotta slap that logo on there. You have the hops. You have the unfiltered Flint Michigan water. Kidding, moderately. What else goes yeast? Drain water. Funny, se funny seventh thing. It's one of those things where their costs are gonna keep going up because their quantity is decreasing every week. The real question is, how long could it decrease before they have to increase the price again? Because right now they're bleeding. They are literally giving it away. It's cheaper than water in some areas because they're having these rebates. So it'll be interesting to see what's Bud Light going to do. The economies of scale are paramount for their company. And perhaps they use the same hops for all their beer. Granted, most of it tastes the same. But still, that's their number one brand. For 20 years, it was the number one brand in the United States by volume of, by sales for beer. Now it's down to 14. This is the biggest business blunder in my life. I've been studying business since I knew how to read. I didn't know how to read well, but I knew how to read back in the day. Well, I still do, but moderate joke there with 
grammar. But it'll be interesting to see what does Bud Light do from here, and does the CEO face any accountability for his actions or lack thereof? Time shall tell, Brandon Whitworth. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news at 50 Cent saying Los Angeles, quote unquote, is finished after their zero bail policy. Now, rapper Curtis Jackson is better known as 50 Cent, which I feel really bad for him, partially just because back in like the 1900s, 50 Cent was a lot of money. Like a lot of money. In fact, I have a, I believe a penny, about that. A penny used to be the size of a quarter. And they shrunk it and they shrunk it and shrunk it. These used to be made out of copper. Now they're 99.99% zinc with a copper plating. So 50 cents used to be a great amount of money in value. That's why when I say this is my two cents, I have to increase it because of inflation. But 50 cents is still only 50 cents. He hasn't increased it. He should be at least a dollar by now. So to call himself 50 cents still, it's a little sad because nowadays, I mean, 50 cents is not a lot of money. You can't even buy a pack of a candy bar or a Starburst pack. I mean, back in my day, that used to be at least, I believe it was 75 cents before tax, which I found abhorrent. So 50 cent is really worth less today than it was all those years ago, which is a little sad. I think he should be increasing his value. Instead of 50 cent, he should be a dollar. At least, I mean, think about inflation. But I digress. Now, it's in reference to a policy he was critiquing with Los Angeles when they decided to adopt policy during COVID-19 pandemic. And there it was, um, there was their attempt to reduce the crowding in prisoners in prisons. And to do so, they dropped the bail as low as zero dollars for suspects of misdemeanors as well as nonviolent felonies. Yeah. Keep in mind, they also increased the amount you could steal before it's considered a felony. I believe it was $950. So, given the district attorneys, they don't prosecute it, which is why it's just why there's an unprecedented amount of theft. That's why every business that you could possibly fathom is leaving or contemplating of leaving. Now, there's a study published by Yolo County District, which that is pretty Californian. Yolo County District. And I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it sounds better that way anyway. So, I'm going to say it's Yolo because it's Y-O-L-O. And they claim that their policy of zero bail had a, quote, horrific effect on public safety. No, duh. Now, the study also found that suspects who released without bail reoffended 70% more often than those who posted bail and were arrested 163% more charges. Wow. Suspects released without bail were also accused of three times as many violent crimes. Insane. But... You get what you vote for. That's what the district attorneys are doing. They're not prosecuting. And from a cultural perspective, it's fascinating to see more and more pop culture references and more of the mainstream entertainers starting to shift their stance on California where for you know decades, you could not critique the perfect state of California. But now you're shifting that. It's having a little pivotal moment where it's becoming more and more normal. Famously, Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro, two of the large, most well-known entertainers, got out of California, partially because of that high income tax, high crime. It's not a place to be right now. Now, culturally speaking, it'll be interesting to see, will it become a popular thing to say and believe that California is not safe or attractive for businesses? That's what I want to know. Will we get a pivotal moment where a majority of people, when, what will that needle do? Or when will, when will it get to that point where 
a majority of people decide it's not worth the risk to live there as more and more people exit the state in droves. Time shall tell, but it'll be interesting to see. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Chris Christie getting 40,000 donors in nearing qualification to go up and debate for the presidential nomination. Now, this is the former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, one of the most reputable, one of the most reputable uh, states, all oh, no crime or corruption there. And he noted on Wednesday earlier this week that he garnered donations for 40,000 unique donations for his presidential run, which means another threshold to be put on the stage to actually debate. And he, of course, and I should say, of course, New Jersey, but to clarify, he's going for the Republican presidential nomination. And that debate is going to be August 23rd. Now, it is interesting. If you look at the qualifications to run for president, they're not too many. I believe it's 34, 35 years old, United, you know, born in the United States, lived here for at least 14 years. But in order to get on the debate stage for the Republicans or the Democrat, Republican Party, or the Democrat Party, there are a lot more qualifications. It's actually fascinating. I interviewed someone from the Libertarian Party who was a former candidate for both mayor and I believe was a senator. And he told me how the tables are skewed against them for the number of signatures they need, the number of donations they need. And it was one of those things where it wasn't just one party doing the independence dirty, it was both of them, not too surprising. And hopefully things would get more equal in the future in terms of everyone should have the equal opportunity to get to that stage. Now, going back to the specific instance, in order to, in addition to having those 40,000 people donate to him, he, exp he further said that in addition to, that, in addition to meeting that donation requirement, he must also get at least 1% support in three qualifying polls. And again, this isn't to run, this, that's not a qualification to run for president, it's a qualification to get on the debate stage for the Republican Party. Now, he has to get at least 1% of the qualifying polls. He has already met that mark in one survey and claims to reach 3% of support in a poll that was re released last Wednesday from a um, company by the name of Morning Consultant or Morning Consult. F for marketing, that's not very inspiring. I guess it does say they consult. But, yeah, it's not terrible, but it's not great. D plus, I'm generous today. D plus for marketing for that company name. Now, in that same poll, it also noted that Trump was at 56% of support, while the next highest candidates were Ron DeSantis at 17%. And then you have the former entrepreneur uh, Vivek Ramaswamy coming in at 8%. So what is Chris Christie going to do? A lot of people point to his historicals back, to, I believe it was 20, the 2016 election, in which he did have a huge statistical jump, I believe it was from 1% to 6%, which is a huge you know, multiplier, but in terms of the whole pie, it's it wasn't enough. Granted, it's still an accomplishment just to get on the stage for a lot of people, but it'd be interesting to see what, what, is, what are his goals for this initiative? Can he get enough support? Because he's gonna just get within shooting distance or just ballpark of Trump. He's gotta get, a, I would think you need at least 40%. Or thirty percent. You, you gotta get close to fifty-six. Like right now, Trump is leading by a long shot. And again, these are a couple polls. It doesn't speak for the whole nation. It's just supposed to give us an indication. So we always have to take it with a grain of salt. But let's see what his goals are. Now, is tradition when you have these debates on the stage in which all the candidates or the presidential nominees they all take an oath in which they agree, hey, if I'm not nominated, I will still throw my support. 
around behind the candidate who does run for office. And, and that's something that both Democrats and Republicans have done. It's kind of a long-standing tradition. And it makes sense. You, it's still your party from their perspective. And they still want their party to succeed. So you know, if they're not the winner, they're going to put their efforts behind propelling the person who did win because you want to beat the other party. It makes sense. Now, it was more of a break historically. I believe last election back in, or actually a couple back in 2016, Trump did not sign that. A lot of people said he speculating he's more of an independent. He also had a lot of Democratic tendencies early in his career or before prior to his um, political career. And when asked for comment, Chris Christie actually said that or rather he suggested to CNN that he would not necessarily follow through on that promise. Which, I don't see the upside to him saying that unless, unless he wants to be a political commentator on CNN or he wants to switch to another political party. It's very advantageous to say things good or bad about Donald Trump. It's either going to get people to love you or hate you, and in a lot of cases they'll get you a job or get you fired from a job. So it's a little bit interesting. Maybe maybe Chris Christie he wants people to see him as a rebel. But it's interesting that he's saying he's not going. He may not abide by that. Although perhaps maybe it's just good advertising because it got me to talk about it for a couple minutes for that specific point. So perhaps maybe that's just another way to garner a little bit more attention. It'll be interesting to see what policies he starts to further embolden as you have a lot of these candidates start to say, you know, here are the top things I really care about. Here's what I stand for. It'll be interesting to see what he stands for, and, you know, time shall tell. Now, other interesting political news, you had the White House, the Secret Service saying, we give up. We don't know who brought the cocaine here, which I don't want to say I called it, but yeah, of course. I'm, it's as cliche, as a cliche as old as time. I investigated myself and found no wrongdoing. Of course. Now, this White House Secret Service claims that they're closing the investigation about the cocaine that they found in the White House because they they could not name a subject or a suspect. And they told that lawmakers yesterday. Now, the Secret Service affirmed that statement that it was closing the investigation saying that, quote, at this time, the Secret Service investigation closed due to a lack of physical evidence, unquote. I don't know how dumb the average person is, but... I can't think of anyone intelligent who would believe them. This is the most guarded building on the planet. There's more security surveillance in probably one six foot by four foot bathroom in the White House than Fort Knox or any, think of any other outlandish place you could possibly think of. You can't sneak a Snickers bar in the White House and get away with it. If you even itch your nose, you've got 12 cameras, they could probably count the number of little hair follicles on the tip of your nose. It, they have unprecedented amounts of technology and resources and Secret Service agents, physical agents as well. And to claim that, oh yeah, we, we, there's no evidence, we don't know. So not only do they claim they can't lift a fingerprint from a baggie, which I'm, that in and of itself is pretty unbelievable. They can't lift a single, a single print, a partial print, because guess what? There's probably a high probability of whose print would probably match it based on their, what is it, a Hunter's, by, Hunter's uh, past and current ac- recreational activities. But no, they claim they, can, they can't lift a print off the baggie. It's not possible. Oh yeah, not only can we not, not only does this physical piece of evidence, we can't, we can't find any DNA on it. We can't find any p- fingerprints on it. Not only that, 
No video surveillance saw that? Really? Re absolutely ridiculous. Although these days it's sad to say it's not too surprising. Because I think more and more Americans are starting to wake up to the fact that there are clearly a different set of rules. Rules for thee, but not for me. Me being the political class. And more often than not, you know which side of the aisle they land on. Well, and it's astonishing. This is a week after Hunter Biden is not being charged for that gun crime or the tax crime, which I'm told by people who really love the Bidens, I'm told that they are very much against, they, they want to really crack down on the, on the guns. Hunter Biden lied on a 4473. That's, if you don't know what that is, I, that's quite sad, unless you buy your guns privately, which I applaud you. But if you're new to buying a gun, it's basically a job application for buying a gun. Very simply put, it's a federal document that you swear that you, you fill out to the best of your knowledge. On that document, it asks you, are you addicted to any illicit substances? Hunter Biden said he was not. And, and yes, he was dumb enough to write a biography. And in the biography, he admitted, oh yeah, at this date, I was under the influence of this illegal drug. Now, the ATF actually increased, and the, um, the government, they increased the penalty for lying on a 4473. If you do it, or if I would do it, you get 15 years in jail. And of course, you lose your rights. You're a felon. 15 years. Instead, Hunter got deferment, which is a BS term for fancy probation. And if he does nothing wrong between now and then, which statistically speaking, he will certainly not meet that parameter. But if they don't charge him more accurately, if they don't charge him for anything between now and the rest of his little ridiculous, undeserved, oh, if it boggles the mind how corrupt the system is with some of these issues. So if he doesn't get caught for anything while he's on this deferment plan, their actual charge is expunged from his record. Not only that, he got away with tax fraud. Now, somehow, he is a multi-millionaire. A crackhead millionaire. And he failed to report about a little bit over a million dollars to the IRS. Now, given the U.S. federal tax code, that means he's making a little bit over $2 million a year if he owes about a million dollars. Where is he getting his money? Now, if you and I, if we underpay the IRS by a dollar or a penny, not only do they penalize you, they actually charge you for the interest rate on those amounts. Granted, if you overpay your taxes, they do not give you interest rate for the money that they got to keep. Granted, if you overpay on your taxes, you don't get thrown in jail because obviously, you know, Irish people, if they underpay their taxes, they'll go to jail. They'll get product prosecuted. And during the investigate during the hearings at Capitol Hill recently, someone appropriately did ask the question, hey, what's the average uh, penalty for this? And they said, you know, oh yeah, they get at least a couple years in jail. This is this amount of fines they go. Oh yeah, why why Hunter get anything? Crickets. Actually no the opposite crickets. Actually the opponents actually wanted to be actually wanted to silence that speaker. Perhaps because he's calling out the BS. But you shouldn't be too surprised that they just gave up in this investigation. And in terms of political news it's a little disappointing, although not too surprising. But hopefully more Americans will start to realize the delta or the difference between how people are treated. And hopefully people vote appropriately. And hopefully somehow things get better. Time shall tell. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day. You have Bank of America fined for having fake accounts. 
Sounds a little bit like deja vu. Oh, yes, uh, yes, uh, is exactly, exactly right. Wells Fargo did this back in, what was it, 2020. So it's almost like someone had just had a, again, F for creativity or lack thereof, because it was almost like someone, someone just did a copy-paste. Because it's the same, same darn thing. Now, specifically, Bank of America allegedly, I guess, cheated customers by opening fake accounts, overcharging on fees, and withholding credit awards, according to federal regulators. The Consumer Federal Protection Bureau has ordered the Bank of America, which is America's second largest bank, to repay more than $100 million to consumers and $90 million in penalties. Another $60 million in fines has been levied by the Office of the Comptroller. Now, that might sound like a big penalty, like, ooh, they're going to think twice about doing that again. That's, 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 that's pretty rough. I mean... A hundred million dollars? That that's a pretty penny. I mean, that's more than most people can ever fathom. But what about what is Bank of America yearly revenue? Let's see. <laughs> of course. Now, Banks of America yearly revenue for the quarter ending March thirty first, two thousand twenty three, was forty point six five five billion dollars. Well, yeah, that penalty doesn't mean anything. So I, I doubt the behavior really changed. But in terms of business blunder, they're already one of the most profitable companies on the planet. And like I just said, second largest bank in the United States, they have a huge market share. There's no reason to cheat. You're already winning. It's, it boggles the mind. They're already... the. the I don't know how much it takes for them to become number one. I believe that'd be J.P. Morgan Chase. But it's one of those things where over $40 billion and they still felt like they had to cheat a little bit. Granted, this penalty is like a rounding error for them. It's really nothing. And in terms of the brand recognition, I doubt, I don't know, anecdotally speaking, none of my friends know about this. Not really getting word around the water cooler, and now you made there's really no major boycotts, or there's not really a cultural push for your change, or there's not a boycott or a public shaming on Twitter. So there's not too much of a negative fallout, but still, to be one of the largest, to be the second largest bank, and still need think you need to cheat. That's just ridiculous. And again, hopefully the people who did that are gone. And again, they're one of the largest banks; they have a lot of employees, and many of them do, I'm sure, do the right thing. And hopefully those. The people who are doing the right thing continue to climb the corporate ladder and ensure that these types of unethical things and behaviors, or not alleged behaviors, don't happen again. But still, to have that much of a business blunder and to open that many fake accounts, that's going to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. We're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers in July, so I greatly appreciate if you click that subscribe button. Also, don't forget to like and comment. We really appreciate the feedback. Thanks to you, the channel, the show has gotten a lot better improvements everything from putting the scripts on the monitors behind the camera so we can keep eye contact that was one audience really appreciated all the way to me pontificating more and using more hand gestures all the feedback is really appreciated and together we're making the show even better we're making it better every single day also don't forget to tell your family tell your friends tell your co-workers heck tell your enemies tell anyone and everyone just stay safe and fight the good fight